4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press This WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpole. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at wp David V, and you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or download the latest episodes at WMR.fm. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about user-centric data and privacy strategies. And joining us for that discussion is Bill Jones of Inlon. Inlyon, welcome to the show, Bill.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate
4: it. All right, I, br- I brutalized that first one, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get it right from here on out. I promise. Awesome. Um, so I'm really excited to interview Bill about this topic today. He's going to share his thoughts on building a user-centric privacy and data strategy. I know as people that build websites or maybe you're a digital marketer, you're thinking, how can I get around all these rules and what can I do? Um, So I'm really excited to talk about this from the user's perspective, because obviously they play a small role in this whole data and privacy strategy thing. Um, Bill, to kick us off, I was curious if you could share with us, what is your WordPress origin story? What was the first time you built something with WordPress?
1: Well, David, the first time I built something with WordPress, I think goes all the way back to probably 2007, maybe even 2006. Awesome. I'm thinking. All right. So, What'd you build? Um, at that point I was just getting familiar with what WordPress was. So that was just a simple blog, but it didn't stay there for very long because Honestly, I wanted access to a quote unquote CMS, um, but I didn't want to, you know, use what I felt were more complicated systems. And so building a blog eventually came into building a website that looked kind of like a blog because that's kind of how you started in WordPress back then because getting used to the ideas of templates and PHP snippets and that sort of thing was all somewhat new to me. And so I was mainly a static HTML guy up to that point. So,
4: All right. So the draw of the CMS, and uh, at least from a market share perspective, it seems like you made a pretty good choice. So uh, for a little context here, maybe you could briefly tell the audience a little bit about Inelon. What do you all do and what do you focus on?
1: Well, Enelon is a digital marketing performance agency, so we do focus on building our clients' digital profiles through digital marketing. So we do the same thing that everyone else does in that space. We do paid media. We do SEO. We, of course, do a lot of web development. Uh, We do cater and and help our clients with their hosting. So we'll maintain their sites throughout the um, relationship. And keeping those things up to date. And so, but really we focus on strategies that build the the client's bottom line. We do focus on how what we do affects the bottom line. So when we present our clients with monthly reports, we do make an effort to show that um, this is how what we were doing over here is impacting what you're able to produce over there.
4: And that's a hard thing to do in today's climate around data privacy, regulations, GDPR, CCPA, all of that stuff. And so I think it's also kind of interesting hearing your focus and, and thinking about this, again, from the user's perspective versus just how do I cram all my cookies into the right places so I can attribute the right things. Um, right. And thinking about that from a balanced perspective. So I'm just curious, Like, what do you think the difference is between say a user first approach versus just a compliance approach? I'm gonna do the least amount possible to be compliant uh, versus you know, thinking about it from the user's perspective to, to start.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely a fine line you walk because you, you do think about you know, what, is, what is fair and what is appropriate. Um, what would I want someone to respect me with if I were on the other side of the fence? And I think you think through things like, okay, well, of course, you've already said this, but what's my bare minimum I've got to get done here? And you look at tools and objectives to get you there as quickly as possible. And from from the end user experience, that is a very difficult hill to climb because if I want to have my data removed and and the agency has only done the bare minimum, well, then I've got to go email somebody, right? That's typically what you see. It's an email and a privacy policy that says, oh, if you want your data removed, we can do that for you. Just email us and what that user experience looks like. And then on the other side of the client user experience as an agency, I'm looking at the client and what the client has to provide and how can I bridge that gap, make it easier on the client. But at the same time, that comes the, um, the friction of how do you bring the two together where you're making it easy for the client while at the same time you're making it a better experience for the user. And I think that's where agencies like us really do play a significant role because our level of education versus the client's level of education obviously should be higher even though we're not quote unquote lawyers. We should have access to that knowledge so we can appropriately direct our clients into such a way that makes it a better user experience shows in the value of making it a better end-user experience, not just being compliant, but then what can we use to make these things a benefit to both parties?
4: So it sounds like it's not just, you know, per se, the use of data to make the experience better, but it's also thinking about it through the user-first lens as well, what's their interaction with managing their data uh, particularly under um, regulations that might push you to um, allow them to purge their data, see what you store on them, all those kind of things. It's not just like, oh, I want to be compliant, but but when they engage in uh, data management, if you would, with a brand, make that easy both for them and for uh, the brand ultimately managing that Um that's a really interesting way of thinking about things. Do you think that that translates into more trust for the brand? Like why would, why would making it easy for them to do that uh, be helpful? I mean, I get why it's easy for the brand, why it's good for the brand, because it's less work perhaps for them. But what is the benefit you think for the user in that scenario?
1: Well, as you know, in our business landscape we're in currently, um, people are spending money with brands they trust. And even Google is taking that from an SEO perspective of what's, what's the EAT score, you know, um, how much, how much trust do we have in what this brand is saying about themselves? And I think that also goes back into what we're talking about here with what level of transparency is a brand willing to put out there, um, to encourage clients that, Hey, you know, we're, we're on your side. Um, because yes, we do want you to continue to spend your your money here and continue to invest in our products, and we're going to give some of that accessibility back to you. And we value you. It's a it's a it's more of a statement of, you know, how much we value the consumer, which is a tricky thing in the digital marketplace. Because you know, as my wife will tell me, nine times out of ten, when I'm on the phone or online with customer service, you know. Well, do they really care? And the truth of the matter is because the way social media and all these channels have made our world that much smaller in a way, it really does increase the, the value of being transparent with your customers and allowing them to have access to those tools that not everybody's going to let or has let in the past.
4: So it's almost like a way to differentiate, a way to gain that trust through the transparency and I'm guessing also that kind of, quote, effortless experience to uh, engage with, uh, see and perhaps purge the data that a brand has about you. Um, which I think is a really interesting way of thinking about that, that hey, this isn't just a a task to do to be compliant, but rather if I do a good job here, I might be able to stand out apart from others, which I think is an awesome thought. I'd like to dive in a little bit more though around the use of data as it relates to functionality and kind of the exchange of value that happens there. Uh, But we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back.
3: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm.
5: It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a 10th of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, It's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit intendedpodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, Marketing on Purpose.
3: LPO, Landing Page Optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the conversion scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. Let's
4: press forward with more. Press this, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. We're in the middle of our episode around user-centric data and privacy strategies. Um, Bill, right before the break, you were talking a little bit about how delivering, um, in, in my words, I guess, an effortless experience for users to kind of manage their data, see it, perhaps purge it. Um, is one way to stand out as a brand and gaining that kind of trust and transparency. But I want to shift gears and talk to you about the exchange of value when it comes to data and functionality. Um, Things like personalization, recommended shop items, uh, shopping cart items, so on and so forth, um, can often deliver value to the end user. I mean, that's kind of their intent in a way is, hey, I'm not going to show you a bunch of random stuff. I'm going to show you things that are specific for you. Um, how do you think about that exchange of value um, when it comes to uh, exchanging data for the purpose of delivering functionality? Well,
1: personalization is the name of the game now. I mean, especially <laughs> for that agency. You hear it in a lot. I mean, we are we're, we're putting our livelihoods on the line from the standpoint of that we believe strongly in personalization. And, and so therefore, okay, How do we present that value to the end user that goes back into being creative, right? You, you have to help them understand that, Hey guys, you know, we're not trying to track you here. Um, We're just simply trying to give you valuable feedback based upon your past history. What does that look like? Maybe it's a video that just briefly describes, you know, a little, public service announcement, if you will, for your website, where you describe what you actually do. Then Does that cost more money for you? Yes. But does it really provide less of a barrier between you and the user who may be on like many users are today on the defensive side when it comes to their personal information and data?
4: I think it rings true to me. I mean, I think as I saw kind of the rise of retargeting and you know, people, uh, at least on the marketing side, maybe not communicating as well as they should about what was happening to folks. But I think that that moment when people realize they've been retargeted, it's like, wait, 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 who are these people? What do they know about me? Um, and, and it, you know, you have to react in a negative way because if you don't understand the tech behind it, if you don't understand the intent, of course a lot of people that perhaps abuse those capabilities, but for the most part, more marketers are really just trying to deliver a message that's targeted to you Um, but of course, if you don't know what's happening, it makes you feel really icky. So are you thinking like if I had, say, personalized product recommendations, like videos helpful, would it also be helpful to maybe like let people know that that element is being personalized for them, maybe through like feedback surveys, are these results accurate, helpful for you? Like, are you thinking like that level of disclosure or like I do a blog post and like link it off one time or something like that? Yeah, I
1: mean, well, so so now you're thinking of okay well how do you how do you incorporate the uh, pinterest method right so how does pinterest um, ramp up a user well they ask the user a lot of questions about what they like and don't like right so the same can be said and, and be true for the way you handle data and especially if you're talking about an e-com situation in which you you i mean there have been several instances in the past i would say six months in which i'm on my phone i'm always experiencing and investigating what other brands are doing in in this circle of influence and you see them really starting to ask a lot more questions when you first come to the site Uh, simple questions you know the it's almost feels like a, a, a recapture little quiz if you will pick the right image of the things you like do you like this or not like this and they they specifically state we're doing this so we can personalize your shopping experience Um, so
4: so instead of like hiding behind the scenes and trying to infer all the context and interests like just dress it head on say i want to know this about you so i can deliver this value um, sounds like
1: yeah because you know everyone has a certain amount of time. Like you and I only have an hour to do this conversation. So I'm on my phone. I only have so much time on my phone to find what I want. And you and I both know what the data is on how fast a site loads, how long someone's going to wait for it to load, how long they're going to be on a site to find what they're looking for. And so by doing this whole personalization quiz, if you will, at the very beginning, you're you're eliminating that time barrier little by little. And so that is a value to the client because time is money, right?
4: And you kind of, again, I think like thinking about it like, oh, no, no, I'm just going to acknowledge what we're doing to try to deliver value for you. And you're going to participate in that. So you have a level of control over that versus you kind of guessing at it from the side, which probably isn't super accurate anyways, um, but also kind of obfuscates that from the user. So I feel like giving them some control probably alleviates a lot of anxiety from those users. Well,
1: David, everybody's reading everything that's out there about what's going on in this circle. It's not just you and me as the professionals reading about this, but it's it's the moms on Facebook. You know, it's the dads getting the articles from the moms on Facebook about how, oh, when I was in the Target parking lot, I got a certain price for this Target product. When I walked into the Target store, I got a different price. Why is that? You know, They're reading those stories and it's building this you know, semi-hysteria about privacy. And the way a brand counteracts that is they're just upfront about what they do. I'm not trying to track you so I can buy you, sell you things you don't need. In fact i want to sell you what you need i want to sell you what you want and if you just tell me a little bit about you then i can deliver that to you and make your shopping experience that much better quicker and um, more beneficial for you the user
4: i like the notion i was going to say i like the notion of having them participate in that which i think alleviates that i mean i think When you talk to the -the run-of-the-mill person and you say, "I want to sell things better to you," I think everybody hates a salesperson until payday. Um, But uh, they do, right? Right, And if you ask if you ask people, like, "Well, how much data should a brand have on you or not have on you?" Like everyone will say, "None." Um, Just this uh, visceral reaction, if you would, to this notion of tracking. So, how do you think about like communicating what you're tracking and um you know how and w- when do you get like honest feedback from users in other words that they're not just viscerally reacting to like no data at all don't track anything at all like how do you present that information in a way that doesn't make it seem like you're just trying to you know get another ad in front of them um, but allows them to make an informed decision on how they might interact with a brand in that data how do, how do you think about that how do you get people to give you honest answers about um, what may or may not be acceptable uh, relative to how you handle their data?
1: I think that, um, personally, I just think you, you, honesty is always the best policy. I think that if you show them all the options and let them choose, so for instance, when it comes to cookies and, and European Union clients right now, we are using the, um, one of the products from One Trust that allows the user to either accept all cookies or view the cookies that they want to opt into. So they can either choose the fast route or they can choose the more transparent route. Um, so there's one way to look at it from that direction where it's like, okay, we're going to tell you everything we would, we would like to track about your interaction with our site, but you get to choose which ones you want to agree to do or none of them. Um, So I think it's, there's some honesty and transparency, and then you give them links to read more about it. So it's not just, hey, you can check these boxes or uncheck these boxes. But if you're unsure, you can read more. And here's resources to read more about what we're actually tracking.
4: So still with this kind of theme of transparency and control, which um, makes all the sense in the world, um, and just real quickly, I'm just curious, as you take these user-first approaches, do you find that you collect more, uh, less data as people have more control, or do you find that that control um, results in you know, people maybe being more open to being tracked because they're the ones in the driver's seat?
1: I think the, um, the results are still out there to be, to be retrieved. I don't think we have enough data to say one or the other, we, I mean, I think we're, we're going to need a couple of years of trends to really understand that large enough question. Um, and I know people want it faster than that. So we're going to try to get it faster than that, but I still think you've got to have some, some time to really be able to see what is true about that. Now, um, again, I think it goes back to, my original idea of if you can help people understand that this is not um, Skynet, right? (laughs) Trying to um, track your every movement and it's not minority report where we're going to flash up digital billboards as you're running down the street. But really what we want to be as a brand is a concierge. And if we can, if you think about users or if you think about individuals in general, anyone would love a concierge. Anyone would love a personal shopper.
4: So focusing on that value you're delivering in addition to that control. And I love how you said we don't have the answers yet. Can you get them tomorrow, Bill? Because I'd really love to know. Um, (laughs) I think it's interesting that you and others are kind of pushing the envelope on this user-centric data strategy. and I like to unpack that a little bit more, um, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
3: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment.
5: Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ready to do a
0: podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing,
3: Let's press forward with more Press This, only on
4: webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. We're in the middle of our episode, user-centric data and privacy strategies. Um, Right before the break, Bill, you were sharing a little bit about, uh, again, how this notion of transparency and control um, for users may lead in the future, I guess if time will tell, to uh perhaps uh, healthier data profiles for brands versus everyone just freaking out and opting out um so i'd like to switch gears a little bit here um and i'm wondering like do you get other insights from users not related to data when you ask them about data in other words in other words if you're saying like well how do you feel about our use of data or these options for collecting your data do they say uh, I feel this way, but I also think that this type of feature or this type of personalization would be neat. Like, do you, are you seeing this kind of um, ancillary benefit to having these data conversations with users?
1: I think it's few and far between right now. I think that um, the majority of what we are getting really still goes back to traditional interactions. Getting. That level of feedback, because um, you have different levels of users right, and different levels of knowledge within those users, and we 're just really not seeing that level of feedback yet I think it 's coming um, I
4: it's think interesting this tug and pull though it 's like if we did a survey of different generations and Gen Z and millennials were basically all on board with having the web personalized for them. But then when you look at similar surveys of similar groups focused on data, nobody wants you to collect any data at all. So um, it feels like there's this yearning for new capabilities, but also this fear of the data involved to achieve that.
1: But think about the way you just presented those two points. They're two very different perspectives on the same thing. One was this generation wants the web personalized for them. Whereas if you talk to people about tracking data, they don't want that. But really, one produces the other. You know, it's two sides to the same coin. And that's where I, again, it goes back to, it's always been about perception. Um, And again, the perception is the perceived benefit. If my data is tracked, how does that benefit me? Um and I just want to know that. And therefore I get to therefore I have more um a better what's the word? I can make a better decision as to whether or not I want my data tracked.
4: Yeah, I mean I love that that again that the theme, which I just changed the title, is podcast, but that transparency and control for the user giving them um the confidence in that outcome. And you know it's Difficult, I think, for us as website builders, as marketers and things like that, there's a saying, you can't design the label from inside the bottle. And it's like, from my perspective, I often think, well, I get it. Look, Facebook is, quote, free, and they need to advertise, and I would rather see ads for something I want to buy than something that's random. And so for me, I see the clear connection, but I, I think when... You know like you said when you're outside the target store and you see a target ad, you're you're just like looking around for cameras and drones, wondering who is peeking at you there at the target store. Uh, almost right. like the uncanny valley if you would in robotics, but just it just doesn't feel right some of the times. Um and you know I think a lot of us in the um kind of data management compliance perspective again are just like checking the boxes, but it sounds like your, your kind of general thesis here is that, well, no, there's an opportunity there to gain that trust, um, get the data profiles you need to deliver the value you need. Is that roughly how you think about these things?
1: It is because everyone has deadlines, right? Um, and so you, you think in this way, but you also realize the goals you have to accomplish as an agency or as a business and the timeline in which you have to do that in and you make the best of what you can in the immediate, knowing that you're going to be constantly wanting to improve on those things. Because if you do, it just provides more opportunity. And I, to me, that's the one thing that I think that really needs to stand out as these aren't limitations, you know, privacy and people's, aversion to not having enough and those sorts of things. And this whole conversation, it's just, it's to me, it's just, what is the opportunity here? And what, what do we present as the opportunity to both the user and to the business owner?
4: I love it. I love it. Judo moving that challenge into an opportunity for growth. I think that's a fantastic thought to end on bill. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sure thing. Thank you. Awesome. If you'd like to learn more about what Bill is up to, you can visit Inilon, E-N-I-L-O-N.com. Check out everything Bill's up to there. Thanks everyone for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. Again, you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or download the latest episodes at WMR.FM. Again, this has been your host, David Vogelpole. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This.